High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Five minutes past 12 o'clock. Good afternoon to you. Hope you're having a fantastic Thursday. I certainly am. My name's Nikki Seberini, and this is the DL Link Show, where we connect you through insights information and illumination on 101.9 High FM. So this is the show where we have cancer warriors, we have cancer angels, we have doctors, we have people who know everything about working the mind and working the body, and it's really all around cancer. And I think that our greatest fear really is getting that diagnosis that we have a a, a terminal illness. Um, And especially, you know, how many people come on the show and talk about the C word. Some people don't even want to use the word cancer. We try and use it as much as we possibly can on the show. But today we really are going to be focusing on just that. When you've had that cancer diagnosis, when your life has been turned upside down um, and everything, all of a sudden you having to recalibrate how you operate in the world, it would be lovely to know that the treatment that's recommended by the doctors is going to be covered, right? We know how expensive it is. It is incredible the kind of treatments that are available, but cost prohibitive if you don't have a medical aid. Um, and then you're going to be going to public hospitals. You're going to have to wait for treatment. Um, and that's just how it works. So we're going to be tackling that issue today. Um, I'm sure many of you listening have had an experience where you've been diagnosed. You think you're covered for something and you're not. Or thank God you are covered for something. Or maybe you didn't think you were. And when you really probed a little bit further, you found that perhaps you were, in fact, covered. We're going to be unpacking the the topic. And if you'd like to contribute to the conversation, please feel free um, to SMS us on 34519. That is 34519. Or you can WhatsApp us on 0618951019. So we're going to start off the show with a cancer warrior who's going to share his experience of being diagnosed and then just finding out that the medical aid was not going to cover his treatment. And how do you deal with that? Well, he fought and uh, he took it a lot further. And it's a very, very good story that we're all going to be hearing. Then Salome Mayer, um, she's an independent cancer advocate and activist, is going to be talking about what she's doing. And that is uh, the pro- being the project manager of for the the access. Access to medicine campaign. Everyone should have access to the right medication. And what is holding back the patents, um, the cost, the pharmaceuticals, um, kicking back on that. So Salome is going to be talking about that and how they are advocating, this group of people are advocating um, for free medication for everyone. And then we're going to have people in the know-how in terms of um, kind of policies that are out there, um, what we can do with the terminal illness when it comes to coverage, um, and uh, we've had um, Stephen Dave on the on the show before, actually from Liberty Life, um, and he's brought along an expert, Suzanne Stain, um, and she's going to be looking at medical schemes and um, again being diagnosed and having the right coverage and and how to work around that. So that's all coming up on the show. And I, as I said, I'm sure there are many many of you listening right now who know of someone who has had an experience with a medical aid or are going through. That experience at the moment So please stay tuned And as I said Feel free to interact with us During the next hour SMS 34519 We're going to take a break After the break I will be introducing you To our warrior Gary Waldman Stay with us
Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Thank you so much for staying with us. So let's get going. Uh, cancer warrior Gary Waldman, um, he was diagnosed in March 2018 and his world, yeah, turned upside down. Gary, welcome. Great Hi. to have you Hi, on the Nikki. show. How are you? Very good. Thank you, Gary. And I, I'm very excited about this topic, really, because I think that many, many people will be able to relate. And as you said, so you've come across so many. L- but let's go back. You're a single dad. That's correct. I'm and a single dad. That's and tough, and, hey? uh, yeah, it's been challenging. I've had a lot of support from family and friends. So thankful for that. But yeah, it's been a, a long, long, hard journey. But we're still fighting and carrying on. So being diagnosed with cancer. Um, you know, I think if if I take you back uh, to when I was first diagnosed in 2018, it was just a mole that had gone malignant. Um, after the biopsies and the histology reports, uh, it was asked that I had a wide excision cut. And, you know, from there, it was considered clear. Um, I think that was the first learning curve that I had to learn in life is that, you know, a lot of us um, unfortunately take for granted that uh, – there are other things that we should also check when it comes to having health checks. Um, I don't think many people do frequent uh, skin dermatologists. Going to a dermatologist, dermatologist yeah, once a year uh, at least. Check, mm, yeah, mm. Um, doing skin mapping of the moles. And, uh, you know, I think as the sun has in the years has gone harsher, you know, a lot of us are affected more frequently by sure. the melanoma. Mm-hmm. Um Anyway, what happened was a year later. So that uh, was a that was a shock to the system. Yeah, it was but a thank shock. Thank God but you you walked you know, away. At that time, I walked away and I thought, okay, thank God it's clear. Yeah. And you know, obviously, didn't assume that it had spread. And what happened was uh, towards the end of the year, I had developed a fat lipoma on my side lat, and it was bothering me. My doctor GP actually said to me, "Don't worry. Normally, fat lipomas do go away." So just watch uh, watch out for it. Um, and I think also a lot of people also normally just ignore a lipoma and carry on. Especially with the history history of a melanoma year yeah. before. But okay. uh, just in general, people, you know, that, that you know these things happen and yeah. occurrences happen with people, and they don't actually take action to see what it really is underlying under the skin. Mm. Um, came February, I was still bothered by it, so I asked my GP to cut it out, and it was at that point that when he had cut the fat lipoma, he had noticed two nodes. Um, He had the nodes removed, went in for biopsy, the histology report came back as two encapsulated nodes that were malignant melanoma Hmm. and had met, met, that were metastatic. So, you know, obviously that, at that point, your world crashes, because now you know that you're facing a much deeper type of cancer, and you know, I'd gone home, I think, uh, you know, after losing family to cancer, both uh, from both sides of the family, you know, when you tell your parent that this is happening, their world crashes as well, yeah. so it creates turmoil within the family. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we had to obviously maintain composure and uh, had to face uh, what had to come next, and that was going through the processes of going to oncology, having it checked out, going for PET scans and sonars. And from there, you know, obviously the recommendations came back that, uh, you know, that it had uh, developed in the area and that I would require surgery to have my lymph glands removed. Um, so at that point, I had also been told that my oncology benefit had been approved by my medical aid. 
And, you know, I felt confident because yeah. I had received a letter stating that these are the treatments available. There were no exclusions on the form. So, you know, you feel confident that you're going to be covered. Mm-hmm. Anyway, after um, having my PET scan and surgery being put in place, I had my surgery. After surgery, the histology report came back. And, yeah, my oncologist had obviously informed me that at that point in time, I am high risk. I was deemed uh, stage 3A. Mm. And due to the surgery, I am in remission, but I would require further treatment. The treatment that is required for malignant melanoma is known as Keytruda or immunotherapy. Um, That is the best case and generally the only type of treatment available for melanoma uh, cancer patients. So we had applied for it, and within, I'd say, just, a week Just and to half. pause, sorry, um, Gary, you, sure. you, you're telling such a clear story, and I so appreciate it. Um, with this kind of therapy, is it easily available in South Africa? No, it's not easily available. Um, it is a specialized uh, treatment. Uh-huh. Um, so it's not like going it for is, chemotherapy. Maybe you can just expand on that. So, yeah, so what, you know, a lot of people have also approached me, and there is quite a difference between immunotherapy and chemo. Right. Um, chemo is administered also intravenous like uh, immunotherapy and they are worked they are two different types of treatments um, chemo is a very targeted type therapy and generally used to slow down or reduce tumors immunotherapy um, from my research is actually a biological type of treatment that's been developed where it actually puts on a PD-1 blocker onto the T cells and that generally uh, stops the cancer from fighting off the T cells and uh, changing them to further cancer cells. Hmm. Um, and in that, it actually helps in assisting the immune system fight off the cancer. So it's not an external no. body or whatever it is fighting no. the cancer. You, you fight uh, you're it actually internally. utilizing your Jeez. own immune system okay. to fight off the cancer, but by enhanced biological treatment. Right. So you've been told this is the treatment. Yes. Okay, next step. Sorry for the interruption. No, not a problem. Um, so, you know, you get told that this is the treatment and you apply for it. And, yeah, at that time I was on a certain plan with my medical aid. And the next minute I got a phone call after a week of applying stating, sorry, we cannot uh, assist or cover you for this treatment. Now, prior but you had been told that they were going to cover you. That's correct. So when I had received my oncology benefit letter, like I said, there was nothing stating any exclusions, just that additional treatments would require co-payments. Otherwise, you would be covered for this based on your plan type, etc. So, you know, at that stage, you feel why all of a sudden is there this difference. Now, prior to being told that I wasn't approved, I had already done research on the type of treatment, and I also knew the cost uh, factor of it. Um, the treatment is a very expensive treatment. It's 1.8 million rand for one year's worth of treatment, hmm. and it's administered every three weeks. Hmm. Um, so you're looking at 100,000 rand yeah, a session. Yeah. So, you know, very in today's costly. times, not many people have that type of money no. just to obviously – out of anger and frustration, I think being a fighter that I am, I decided, you know what, I'm not going to sit back and just accept this. And I went full media, full public and decided, you know what, I'm going to fight got no, for You've got nothing to lose at That's this correct. point, right? Well, I had lots to fight for. I've got yeah, two kids and exactly. family to live for. So exactly. I was adamant that mm. I'm not going to lay down. And, and I think I needed to make sure that I was heard, not just for myself, but for all the people out there. So what um, did you do? So, yeah, I went to the social media platforms. 
Uh, obviously wrote about my story. I had picked up other articles that had been written in various Cape, uh, medias and I started utilizing all of those to my benefit and saying, you know, I'm not the only one. There are others out there. We need to stand together, fight for this and that I'm not going to stand down. I was willing to go to other type of uh, media platforms to try and expose further of what's going on when it comes to this. Um, fortunately, I, I was heard, and within a week of uh, the medical aides contacting me, um, they found some reason to say, you know what, we will give you the privilege of upgrading your plan type. I had upgraded my plan so type. So what, what was the problem? Uh, th- th- According th- th- to them, my plan type was not uh, was one below the the plans that they allow the treatment on for this particular treatment yeah. Gary so if it was other treatment other you would have been covered I would have been covered but for this particular immunotherapy which is very very costly as you've explained yes. you weren't covered for That's that correct. okay and you know for me it was just more of an understanding of how can they allow two plant types to allow it and then the rest of the plants not even to me I was saying why not have a copayment uh, sliding scale yeah if you're on that plane, you get X amount and vice versa, vice Um And also, how many people know that when they when they take out a medical aid and it's, you know, the different plans? I mean, you think, oh, I'm covered for cancer. And I think it's an important discussion when we have it a little bit later on is well, we, we, you get to see that there's so many different treatments out there. Well, I think it also comes down to the fact that, you know, we also as humans, none of us really anticipate this being a situation that – we're going we'll to fall find into. Us, mm. I didn't expect myself at my age to to come into having this disease. You're 37, so you know, 37, uh, 38. 38 years young. So, sure. you know, from there it was, oh, well, now I've got it. But, again, I had kept uh, my plan type in accordance to my earnings. Yeah. And that's also the case. And your you know? age, your risk, your all of that. Sure. Okay, Gary, quick break. We're going to be right back. Sure. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back. 101.9 Chai FM. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. Um, Gary Waldman is in the studio. He's our cancer warrior. Um, sharing his story. So Gary, just before the break, we were talking about you having the type of cover that you thought was appropriate for your age, your risk, etc., etc. You have this diagnosis. You've got to go for this very expensive, um, immunotherapy. Medical aid says, no, you're not covered. Um, you then go uh, and and you make it known on social media and you get a response from the medical aid saying that they will push you up to the next level. So, yeah, so um, like I say, I was very fortunate. Um, medical aid came back. For some reason, the plan type that I was on, they had found a reason to allow me to, migrate, uh, to upgrade my plan type. Um, because generally medical aids also allow you only once a year to upgrade your plan, and that's at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, so I upgraded to the relevant plan, and within 48 hours, my immunotherapy was approved. Sure. And, yeah, like I say, I was blessed and fortunate that that happened. And, uh, yeah, my treatment started. I've already done my second treatment. Um, but as I say, you know, it's a costly exercise. It was approved on a co-payment basis where it's – a 75-25 split. So sure. I'm still so having 25% to, of it. So I'm still oh. having to find, find 25% of my share every three weeks. 
And wow. Okay. So let's yeah. pre- let's press pause. So you've had two treatments, you say. That's correct. And how how how's it going with the treatment? Treatments are good so far. I haven't experienced any side effects. Do you have side effects like chemotherapy with immunotherapy? The the nice thing is they've listed. Uh, a number of side effects, and I think because it's biological, it works. It's different for different. every person. Uh. Um, I haven't had any side effects, and the side effects are different slightly to chemo. Um, I think it's also because it's administered slightly different, whereas chemo is administered straight away in one month and then goes on to a monthly basis. This is just from offset administered one session every three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because I also did the homework prior and I had joined various groups and platforms and asked people what have they experienced when they've been on the treatment. So I geared myself up by changing my diet and by changing certain things so that when I started with the treatment, I didn't have to experience any side effects that might have occurred due to not knowing what to do at the beginning. I think we have to press pause once again because you're giving us a lot of valuable insights and information. Um, we talk to lots of cancer warriors and a strong message that we really try and put across, uh, Gary, is that when you have that kind of a diagnosis is actually to just, just be quiet for a moment and, 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 Get as much information as you can and speak to people and do everything that you've just said. Join groups. Just get as much knowledge as you can. I mean, Google can be a frightening place, but with the knowledge comes a tremendous, a, a, a lot of power and you get to be very actively involved in your, in your treatment. Well, you know, there's something I've learned, you know, it's funny when, when you become, and I, and I say a patient to a disease like this, immediately a lot of big people around you become experts. Um, mm. And unfortunately, you can't listen to everyone. So you do have to take the time to actually research and also learn yourself for certain things. But at the same token, the advice I give anyone, always listen to your oncologist first because they are the experts and they do know best. Um, you know, immediately when you research from Google, Google's always going to give you worst case worst scenario. Case. Mm. So immediately you go onto a backbone and you start panicking. So, you know, it is, it is a challenge. Mm. So you've been for two treatments, haven't had any side effects, but how, how is the treatment? How's it working? It's, uh, so from my, so far from my results, um, it's showing good progress. Um, my blood counts are, are improving mm. and, you know, there's no sign of any changes and for me it, it's obviously working and I'm grateful to be in the position that I can. Gary, that is you know, fantastic. I, I have got other people that are going through the same battle. Mm. Um, I've met people like mm. Bryce, Dale, and they've all turned and we're all supporting one another. Mm. Um, let's just go back to this co-payment very quickly because you, you talk about a community, you talk about groups of people, you've mentioned some people's names and a lot of people have come together uh, to help you with this co-payment because it's not just a, uh, a co-payment. We're talking about a co-payment of 1.8 million rand. No, okay, so the co-payment… Were you paying 25% of? Of 1.8 million. Yeah. So it's 450,000. Yeah. But in the case of like the other people that have come to me, they are still battling and haven't come right with being able to upgrade their policies. So or their plan types. And they're having to fight and try and raise the full funds. So, you know, we're all sitting in the same boat and we've actually collectively come together and we're trying to all help and walk this path together and try and assist. You know, I know another guy, Nico, who's also didn't come right here in South Africa, but he was fortunate that uh, he had to also utilize the certain 
fundraising schemes that we're utilizing to be able to go overseas to Israel to get the treatment, which they willingly are helping him. And sure. thankful that they are now there in Tel Aviv and he's going to have great success. And so you're using Becca Buddy. That's correct. So they're, they're just they're all these these um, tools available to people out there. It's not you know when I started off and I said terrible to have the diagnosis and how shocking to know that you can't afford the treatment. But you're saying there's the, the many avenues that can be explored. There, there are avenues. I think you know the, the hardest challenge is even though we've got the avenues, um, a lot of it is generated mainly by the people that know you or how your message is brought across. Right. Because general people that go to these sites. You know, you're overwhelmed by the amount of people that are utilizing yeah, these sites help. already. Uh. So already you fall into a category of if you go as a general public person to the site, who do you choose to help? Uh. Whereas if you know someone, it's easier to turn around and say, you know what, I'm going to help that person. Mm. Um, and that's become the biggest challenge. Mm. Sure. Okay, Gary, we're just going to take – well, not a break. We've got um, Salome on the line. Um Salome has been, gee whiz, she's been involved with cancer for many, many years as in helping people, um, advocating um, different organizations. And uh, she's going to be sharing also some of her expertise with us today. Um, Salome Mayer, um, independent cancer advocate and activist, um, also a trained medical social worker with years of experience in community development working in government. And also a project manager for the Access to Medicine campaign of the Cancer Alliance, which is what I was talking about a little bit earlier. So, Salome, welcome. Lovely to have you on the show. Thank you, Carly. Those words. Welcome to the. Can you hear us, Salome? For some reason, you coming and going. Uh, I. Okay, this is not a good line at all. We're going to try again, Salome. Stay where you are. We're going to try you again. I'm not sure what's happening with this line. Um, so stay with us and, um, we're, we're going to, we're going to give it another shot. So Gary, I'm going to bring you back on board while we're waiting for Salome. Um, and how are you doing being a, a single dad and having these two kids? And what have you told your children? What do they know about their dad being ill? So my daughter's too young to understand. So there's been no how discussion. How old are you? How old are so you? So I've got a daughter three years old yes. and my son is eight. Okay. Um, my son who lives with me, he's been told, he's aware of it. Um, and I think he, because he feeds off my positivity, I mean, the biggest thing I can also give to anyone out there, the people must always keep faith. Stay positive and just know that you've got to fight and be strong. Mm -hmm. um, and I think based on that is my son sees that every day I tell him, don't worry, I'm here. I'm mm -hmm. going to be here for the next 45 years. Mm -hmm. And I know in my heart that I'm going to survive and that mm -hmm. I am going to win this. Mm -hmm. And I think based on that, he, he has um, also picked up, be positive. He's confident. And, but doesn't know, he go to school and... My dad's got cancer and then someone else tells a story about someone else. You know, I children. think I'm very fortunate. My son's, he also keeps things to himself. So, you know, in that sense, he hasn't gone and told people or run around or anything. Um, you know, there's been two occasions where he's maybe sat and we've spoken personally. And, you know, there's times you do pick up that you can see that they are a bit down and, you know, they are stressed or they are worried and it is affecting them. Um, and I think it's just the fact that we always, Openly communicate um, whenever we're driving in the car. Mm. I always talk to him and I just reassure him that everything's okay and you're going to be yeah. fine. Yeah. And I think the fact that he knows that I'm getting treatment, he's also 
confident, mm. you know, because when we. And he senses it from you. You see, as you said, you're a positive, upbeat guy. You're fighting, you're strong. And that's what he picks up from you. Yeah. Very important. I'm hoping we've got Salome on the line. Salome, are you there? I am. You. Okay, I'm, I'm going to try Salome. I don't know why you're coming and going. So we're going to try one more time because it's, it's so, I've been looking so forward to having a conversation with you. It's so important, um, what you're doing because you've been working in this cancer world for many, many years. Um, because a, be, a best friend of yours, um, died of breast cancer. Was it what, how many years ago was that, Salome? That's new. 25 years. Salome, we can't hear you. You're coming and going. We're going to, I'm going to have to see if there's another plan. Um, I'm so sorry, Salome. We're going to try you again. Oh, what a pity. Gary, back to Gary. <laughs> Gary, um, it's a real pity because Salome, um, as I said, she's talking about, um, giving access to medication to, to everybody. Um, it's very, very expensive. Um, all medication is very expensive and, um, they're fighting that because they've more than 45, um, nonprofit organizations that have a voice when it comes to cancer. So this is all under one umbrella. They speak for the voices of everybody really and looking at making it more affordable. You're talking about Gary having a medical aid, a very expensive treatment and how many millions of people in this country don't have a, a medical aid? They don't have access um, to that kind of treatment at all. And they've got to go to a, a public hospital. And, and, and how is that fair? You know, I mean, it's just uh, know, it's, it's insane. I don't think it's fair um, in the sense that uh, the medical aids are stopping us from getting treatment, you know, especially when it's life-threatening. Um, at the same token, I think... Uh, the state should also be coming to the party and assisting as many people as possible. You know, from my research, what I've seen in other countries, you know, if you're on a private scheme or on a state scheme, they utilize things differently. You know, whether you pay, like, I mean, I was shocked in America, if you're on the state uh, scheme rate, mm -hmm. they they will give Keytruda almost 95%. I think the co-payment is only $40 per session. She, and that's on the state one. Yeah, in America, you know. But again, it's how do you how do you justify it? Well, I don't know. I actually don't know. Our experts from Liberty will be they or are they? Do they know? We don't know. So we're going to be talking to Salome in a minute. In, while we're waiting for Salome, um, I see that my runner has run off to go get a telephone number. So we'll introduce Suzanne uh, and Stephen in a moment. Um, Gary, back to you, Gary. Thank <laughs> you're our stable. You're our stable in the show. Gary, back a buddy. Who told you about it? And is it a, is it very difficult to get involved with that if you're trying to arrange your own fundraising? Um, I'll be fortunate uh, again. Um, I was fortunate to have a friend, Brent, uh, who's also in media, and you know, through private messaging, he was also one that helped me get my story out there um, through his uh, media uh, posts and. Um, Journalist, journalism. Um, he was also one that mentioned to me, have I looked at the site? Um, and then after him, a number of other people had also messaged me through Facebook and said, by the way, have you seen this? Because, you know, a lot of people came to me and said, let's do fundraising, let's do this. And that's how it came about. And I decided to go on the site and uh, obviously posted my story there. And, 
you know what, I have to be thankful and uh, very grateful for the people that have helped me and uh, raised the money because out of the 450 that I need so far, I've raised uh, 125,000. Gee whiz, in how long? Uh, in about two months. That's incredible. That's incredible. Okay. So, so it makes it a, so it it has, it a lot yeah. easier. So for the two that you've had, the two treatments, how much of it you, you had to pay in? It's 25,000 a session. Gee whiz. Okay. And the so session lasts? It's one hour. Wow. Incredible. You know, and then over and above that, you know, the, the other things that you don't realize is that there's always additional cost. Uh, sitting at the oncology, um, rooms, you're paying for that. You know, when you have your blood test. So over and above the treatment, all of a sudden now there's additionals that you also have to cover. Hmm. It doesn't stop. You mentioned diet, changing of your diet. Um, so, what, you know, obviously I've got my son's mom who's been pressurizing me to change diet. Then I've had other people pressurizing me to change diet. I've had other people tell me you go into an alkaline diet. And so eventually I decided, you know what, I'm going to research because you know what, you can't all be going on about diet because diet's not the only thing. Cause my oncologist said to me, carry on living the way you want to live. Don't change your worry about your diet. Really? And, and when you look deep <laughs> okay. down into it, um, when it comes to cancer, cancer feeds off sugar and other stuff because it's part of your cell formation. Mm. Now, at the same token, in order for your body to develop new cells, it also needs sugar and other vitamins and nutritional supplements that you put into your body. So based on that, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on in the studio? <laughs> Gary's going to get the award for the most patient, the most patient guest on the You've show. Got to be patient. <laughs> um, but yeah, so now you know, needing sugar to develop your normal cells as well as cancer f- feeding off sugar. What do you do? So I decided, you know what, I will clean yeah, my. But you diet. know what you're talking about. I mean, if, if you, I hear what you're saying about the sugar and I'm hearing what you're saying about keeping kind of a homeostasis within the body. Once you're going for treatment, you want to be able to create healthy cells, but you are surely if you reduce sugar and we're talking about processed sugar, surely if you do that, that's going to make a difference. So, so that's what I learned is that if you don't have enough sugar Excuse in your body, me with the surelys, but <laughs> if you don't have enough sugar in your body, your sugar is going to, I mean, your body's going to take any other type of carb or whatever it might be and convert it into sugar. So whether you're putting it in or not, your body's going to generate it. So for me, it was, okay, rather cut out, like you said, all the processed sugars. So all the fizzy drinks, etc. Mm. don't have extra sugar in coffee or whatever it might be and focus on a cleaner, healthier diet. But you still maintain eating as you generally do. You know, um, So you didn't go to raw... Vegetables, fruit, no. grains. Okay, so, so it's just a I've, healthier. I've, I've cut out, you know, I don't frequently have rice and uh, pasta and those type of carbs, and I've cut out sugar to to quite a large extent. My sugar intake is generally having fruit in the morning, and then my rest of my diet carries on almost like a banting diet to a degree. Okay, so that's that's healthy eating. That's but healthy eating. yeah, what I have realized is that your diet, all it does, it also slows the process down of the cancer developing further Mm. and that's it so far that's what i've read and researched on Hmm. okay thank you thank you for that gary all right i think we've got salome again on the line salome hi good afternoon i hope you can all hear me now we can hear you you know it's perseverance on the show that's what i love (laughs) 
Salome, it's not a great line, so let's see how far we go. I was just saying that you've been involved. You, many years ago, you lost a best friend to cancer, and that changed your life, didn't it? It actually did. Um, so yes, that was 25 years ago, and I literally decided that life is about other things um, and made, made the decision to make a meaningful change um, in the life of people. And I have been involved in cancer advocacy for the last 23 years of my life. That's incredible. Um, currently, I'm working as the project manager for the Cancer Alliance on Access to Medicine. Salome, we've just got you on the line and I'm going to put you on hold. We've just got to take a quick break. But after the break, let's just quickly talk about this uh, medicine campaign um, of the Cancer Alliance. Um, but please stay with us. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Salome Mayer is on the line. She is an independent cancer advocate and activist and at the moment a project manager for the Access to Medicine campaign of the Cancer Alliance. So Salome, before the break, we, would, we, well, we hadn't really started talking about it, but what is the Access um, to Medicine campaign? We identified in 2017 24 cancer medicines um, that are currently in South Africa under patent. Mm-hmm which means that there are barriers to access. Now, if we look at access, there's two points of entry. The one is the private sector, which 14% of the population access, and then there's 84% of the population that access public sector um, health. Mm-hmm. And if we then go into the 24 medicines, we then have to go and look at which of those 24 medicines are available um, equitably and affordably in both sectors. Mm-hmm. And I think the previous speaker, without knowing exactly which medicine he's referring to, this is exactly the point that we're talking is, is that a lot of medicines under patent um, is unaffordable in South Africa. Mm-hmm. However, that, those medicines are not even available to the public sector because of the fact that they are completely unaffordable for government to buy um, on a big scale. Sure. Um, so that's literally the program that we're working on. We're working on um, specific medicines that we've identified out of between four, and we've distilled it down to between eight and ten medicines. Um, and we currently are focusing on um, trastuzumab, or commonly known as Herzlitzin. Um And I can particularly say the um, women in the public sector, uh, in the private sector, is very much our focus because currently the medical schemes are not necessarily providing um, health-based treatment um, for uh, uh, women with her to positive breast cancer. Um, it is also an unaffordable, uh, because it's unaffordable and there's co-payments and we are busy working on that in terms of equitable access. Um, in the public sector, uh, trastuzumab is already available. However, ever in the Western Cape, again due to cost, it's not actually available. Mm. The second medicine that we're focusing on is a medicine called um, lenalidomide that is being used for patients with uh, multiple myeloma. The originator medicine was registered in South Africa in 2017. Before that, um, 
generic medicines were were available and patients were ac- were able to access it via Section 21 authorization. Yeah. However, when the originator company came in in 2017 to register that medicine, it became unavailable and unaffordable. That medicine, as a generic medicine, sold for nearly 5,000 rand, and now it's being sold at a cost of nearly 62,000 rand. So you can see the difference. I'm confused. And those are the kind of issues that yeah. we are fighting, fighting for. against. So, Salome, I'm, I'm a little bit confused. How does that happen? Um, I can understand medication being a lot more expensive when you have these patent barriers. But once it becomes a generic medication, which means the reason it can be more affordable is you're not paying for the patents, how did it then triple or quadruple in price? This is exactly where the patent law comes in. So the specific uh, product, um, that specific product that we're referring to, is a patented product, um, but it's secondary patents. And if we go into South Africa's patent law, our patent law is currently not um, making access to medicines um, easy for patients. Um, and that is why within the fixed patent law campaign, we are busy looking at the changes within the patent law that has to happen. I can actually say that last year the new patent policy was approved. And we hope now that the new Minister of the, the Department of Trade and Industry has been announced, we can move forward with the change within the patent law. If those changes go through, we will be able to take the the patent holder on in a much easier way than as before. For instance, something like a compulsory license will take you forever. Um, Patent revocation will take you more than two years and is a very costly process. Mm. So that is why we're saying South Africa's patent law is not necessarily in favor of access to medicine. Sure. Well, you're fighting such a good fight, Salome, um, and uh, we we all just hope that that these laws are changed sooner rather than later. Obviously, um, so that more South Africans can have access to this kind of treatment. It's, it's frightening to think that the public sector, the the majority of people in this country, aren't even offered um, certain medications that can save lives. It's just it's too horrific to even contemplate. It really is. It is. I can. Also, say to you when I've just um, attended the World Health Assembly meeting in Geneva, um, and we have achieved a landmark um, result there, where the transparency resolution was approved by the World Health Assembly, although it was a very much watered down transparency resolution. Um, it is the beginning of a new era where we as civil society and many, many countries that have supported the transparency resolution have asked for openness with regard to the research and development um, of uh, new medicines Good as well as the cost relating to, ca- to medicines. And that's medicines across the board. Um, the uh, World Health Organization has also brought out a, a landmark report at the end of last year that indicates the very, very high prices of cancer medicines. So globally, this is an issue. 
And we all realize that we have to do something about this. Absolutely. And I do think that what we need to do is that we need to work together in South Africa to educate our patients with regards to equitable and affordable access. Mm. So, Lomi, I'm I'm so sorry that we didn't have enough time with you. I'm sorry the line wasn't that good, but um, it really has been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. And as I said, I I think just onwards and upwards, and if there's anything we can do to support you and get the message out there, of course we will. Thank you very much, Salome. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Salome Mayer, um, Project Manager for the Access to Medicine Campaign of the Cancer Alliance. I love this transparency resolution. Um, and let's see if things change. Let's see what happens to the patent laws in South Africa. And let's see if we can turn things around and give people, all people in South Africa, access to affordable treatment. Well, you know, we started off, we said the diagnosis. What if you can't afford the treatment? We're now going to be looking at... If you are in a position to take out cover, um, if you can afford different tiered uh, medical aids. So we have in the studio Stephen Dave, who we've had on the show before. He's an executive financial advisor um, with Liberty. He's a financial planner. And also Suzanne Stain, who is with Liberty as well and a CPF accredited with the Council of Medical Schemes. Hi, Steve. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Great Hi, having Ricky. you on the show again, Steve. Suzanne, thank you for coming on thank to the you, show. Steve. So, thank I mean, there's, there's so much. I mean, we, we discussed before, Steve, with the, the, the dreaded disease and having yep. the cover yep. um, and I started and I keep saying it where you've got the cover, just like Gary, you think you have the cover and then you realize that the diagnosis and the treatment, you may not have the cover. So after the break um, uh, Suzanne, I want to speak to you about what do we do? I mean, Gary said that he he was perfect for the particular cover that he had his age, his health but things are changing all the time. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. So we have uh, Gary in the studio. He's been sharing his story with us, and uh, Steve and Suzanne have joined us. Suzanne, you've been listening to Gary's story from the beginning. Um, Steve, so have you. Um, uh, your thoughts? Over to you, Suzanne. Um, Nikki, it's it's so important when you are applying for a medical aid in general when you're answering those questions on the application form. And part of the journey, whether it be insurance or medical aid, and Gary actually mentioned it earlier on where he has a family history of cancer within the family. And I think that people just assume, well, it's not going to happen to me. And it is something that is very, very pertinent. Genetics is a huge thing medically as well today. So people must take cognizance of that within their family line and actually be aware irrespective of, of his age. I think age these days, when it comes to illnesses, many younger people are becoming very ill and obtaining issues early in life, and they just assume because I'm young, I'm okay. It'll only happen, you know, later on in life. Mm. That's not necessarily the case today. Mm. So that is something that I think all youngsters and actually everybody should take cognizance of. I, I just mm. want to say, just to be practical about it, so mm. the younger you are, the less you're, and I'm not talking, I'm not talking about Gary, but you're earning capacity um, is not as great as when you're older, which falls in line with, you know, I'm younger, I'm healthier, I don't have to take out that big coverage, and I'll do that later on when I'm a little bit so older, just, but you're saying Just no. from an insurance point of view as well, just 
to include that is that it's not actually as expensive as people assume, especially okay. when you're young. Okay. Your rates are different. Um, the older you get, your rates change. So it becomes more expensive. So if you had to take out a policy when you're 20 mm-hmm. versus when you're 40, mm-hmm. your premium is massively, hugely different. Okay. So inquire. Ask, ask your advisor, ask your broker, could you just give me a quote? Can I just find out what it's about? You may be pleasantly surprised. Sure. So, so what are your thoughts on having a a certain amount of coverage? I would say that the plan that Gary was talking about is pretty comprehensive. Um, and then you find that you don't, you're not covered for the treatment that you need. What, what is the first step? What do you do? You've got to liaise very closely with your medical scheme. And you have to speak with them and they have to assist and guide you on what could be the best possible solutions. In Gary's scenario, they bumped him up for certain treatments. So they don't want to not treat you, whether it be life-threatening or not. They want to assist. But they are also governed by their rules. And all medical schemes have certain rules that they have to follow. It is very, very important that they have to work within those lines. So, you know, when when you go and see a doctor and a GP recommends you to a specialist, it is really important to actually phone in for a pre-auth or to allow your doctor to phone in and get a pre-auth. And up front, you are aware of what's covered, what's not covered, where you stand, where there could possibly be a co-payment, so that people can prepare ahead before they go and have these treatments and actually find out what it is in, what is involved. From the onset, when you take out a medical aid, the member must should do themselves a big favour and read the medical aid brochure. Find out what is on their plan. Try and be as affiliated with it as possible. People are generally not interested and they just put it aside and go, yeah, I'm covered. And they take what their broker says, actually, at face value. They take what their broker says, but also they can forget. So it is important to have that relationship with your broker and actually phone and find out. Ask your phone into your medical aid because they are the ones that give the pre-auth and they are the ones that can actually guide you. So I will phone into mine, for example, and say, well, I need to go have my eyes tested. I need to go have a mammogram and I need to go and do, go have a checkup at the dentist. What benefits do I have for each one? And they will guide me and say, Suzanne, you've got X for the dentist or you've got, you know, your mammograms covered because that's a preventative care type program. Um, and you've got X on, you know, something else. So they need to liaise with their medical aid at all times, and that will give them big gardens. Steve, I'd like to bring you in here. <laughs> you were just listening, hey? You were enjoying. Don't, you don't have long. You'll have to speak very fast. So you look the dreaded disease. Um, we're looking at life cover, for example, and I just, I just wanted to bring out what was said off air because it's always the ju- delicious, juicy things that I've said off air that we want to bring on air. Oh, sorry about that. Um, and Gary was saying that he wanted to increase his life policy, but obviously there was a part that, that he wouldn't be covered for, um, which was the, the type of cancer that he had. And you said that that's normal. That's, yeah. that's just procedure. So fortunately, Gary's responding well to his treatment and, um, it's a, it's a good story. Because there are many other stories that go the other way, okay, where people don't respond positively to their treatments and um, other benefits could be associated through an insurer that can assist. But this actually goes back to our, our conversation we had a couple of months ago regarding dreaded disease cover. So dreaded disease cover is an, a, a benefit which is payable in the event of a diagnosis and has got nothing to do with the inability or ability to actually work. The, the dreaded disease benefits I was chatting to Gary about worked. They paid out. 
It was a percentage of the sum assured because it works on the severity. It's a severity-based benefits. Today, your dreaded disease benefits are severity-based and will pay out a percentage of the sum assured. Right. But once again, like Gary said, there were circumstances which prevented him from, take, from, from taking out a larger amount. He could, he could take out an, an amount that he could afford to pay. And uh, that's the benefit that he claimed on, and he was he was paid. Mm. Uh, he w- then came into his insurer for additional benefits, but then it was a pre-existing condition, and your insurers will then uh, pro- uh, the, uh, apply an exclusion going forward. Those exclusions are reviewable within a certain amount of time. You'll go back to your insurer, and you'll say, I've been clean or in remission for five or six years, and very often they will put that dreaded disease cover back on without or increase your dreaded disease cover without an exclusion. I mean, I know it's a business. Sorry, Steve. I know it is a business. You know, insurance is a business. It's, let's say it. But um, Gary's 38 years old and he's doing good, right? Mm-hmm. And he's going to be and he's going to live for many, 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 many more years. And he'd like to be able to cover himself because mm-hmm. he's got two kids and he wants them to be looked after. But for a period of time, he's going to be disadvantaged mm-hmm. because of his experience. Yeah. And that's just not well, fair. Well, the really. insurers, the insurers, all insurers will just want to see the outcome of the treatment. Okay. So they are at risk. So you're paying a certain premium for a certain amount of insurance. So before that insurer takes you on, they want to know your state of health. So they're entitled to say, have your treatments, let's give this a year or two or three, and then come and back then to us it. and let's have a look how you, how you responded. But I just want to bring one, one, one more point in which is, which is important, is that in the event of somebody not responding positively to his treatments yeah. and things don't work out as well as they've worked out for Gary, the disability benefits also come into play. We haven't touched on that, and that is something which is important because – in the event of someone being unable to work, work. Uh. okay, because of his cancer, okay. um, you need to make sure that your income is protected. So that is another completely different topic which we haven't touched on. So your dreaded disease benefits would pay out on the event, and then in the event that of you your, cannot work, that you cannot work, you would, would be bene- a disability you'd, you'd apply will kick in for your income protection or your disability benefits, which so, are separate benefits. To so your his benefits disease. would still be there if he's had them before. And he hasn't utilized them. Yes. With this illness, yeah. they still so he there. He was paid out on his, on his really dreaded disease cover. He wasn't paid out on his disability cover because okay. he's not disabled. Okay. So okay. that is for another, maybe another discussion. <laughs> another show. We ran yeah. out of time. We ran out of time. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. And thank you for listening. You know, I just, I think the important points to walk away with today um, is that, first of all, you're not alone. And I think, Gary, I, I love that you put it there. You're not alone. There's a community of people that you can reach out to all the time. Um, and that you need to persevere and ask the right questions and don't be afraid to ask those questions. So, Gary Waldman, thank you for coming onto the show. Thank you for having it's me. It's really been a pleasure. And we wish you health, vitality. And, uh, yeah, just many, 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 many years ahead. Um, and uh, thank you so much, Steve, Dave. Lovely having you on the show. Suzanne Stain, thank you thank for coming you, onto the show. Thank and Salome, who's uh, gone. Thank you so much for tuning in from me, Nikki Seberini. Until next week, goodbye. <laughs>